checking for me, no one checking on me, so I had to go run up and check. I got the message on me, ain't no flexing on me, my attorney gon' call it collect. Blessings on blessings for me, my success. What do y'all think? Should I eventually change that intro, or are you kind of digging it? Does it, does it make you feel happy inside? <laughs> Something familiar? How's everyone doing out there? This is Simon for the Closed Network Privacy Podcast, episode number 16, recorded August 15th, Monday, 2022. It's been a while, and uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's been a while. I've <clears throat> had some stuff going on in the family, and uh, everything's good, but uh, had a family member in the hospital for a month, and then just a series of other things that have happened, and um, I I really, every time I tried to do a uh, an episode, it just wasn't in the right headspace, and decided to just push it in the summer and trips and everything, so I'm here, I'm back, we're going to keep doing this, we're not going anywhere, but... I do apologize for the huge, massive gap between episode 15 and and now, but we're here now and we're doing this. So lots been going on in the internet <laughs> in the last uh, several weeks and months, uh, both politically, monetarily, economy, I mean, all sorts of stuff going on. And one of the other things that I realized is that because of the, the focus of this podcast is on privacy and security and trying to understand what we can all do to increase our, uh, our own personal like sovereignty, digital sovereignty with a balance between, you know, what you're comfortable with, depending upon your threat model, what you're trying to avoid and convenience in your life. I think, I think it's healthy to always have that in check because, you can go down some rabbit holes and it can feel quite dystopian and you start feeling kind of depressed and it's not a good place to be. I find myself in that rabbit hole fairly often because I'm generally researching things that have to do with data breaches, legislation, and trying to understand how we as just everyday people can protect ourselves from the things that are going to happen inevitably at some point. And it, and it can be kind of a dark place. So it's good to take a break. It's good to step back sometimes and go camping, go whatever it is that you like to do, go to the beach, go to the mountains, you know, whatever your, your reset places, like do that, make that just as much of a priority is anything else that you do from, you, you know, anything that you put energy into, like, like protecting your, your privacy and, and your, and your sovereignty. So I'm going to try to, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I like collaborating with other people too, because it kind of breaks up the dystopianness that I'm constantly like just spewing into the microphone. Like today, you know, we could talk about how Twilio discloses a data breach after an SMS phishing attack. Or we can talk about a leak of California gun owners' private data, uh, or a Facebook leak, or a Twitter leak where five million and five and a half million accounts are being sold on the dark net. I mean, these things happen all the time. They happen at big companies. They happen at little companies. It's not a matter of if; it's just when. So when you kind of accept that and go like, "Well, these things are going to happen," I just have to expect that it will happen. It doesn't matter how big the company is, how much resources they have to protect our data. It's going to happen. So we just kind of accept it. <laughs> I mean, I, but when I say that though, I mean like, don't, don't get too down the rabbit hole of that kind of like getting depressed or down or feeling uh, dark because it's, it's not a great place to be. And honestly, what really compels me to do this and motivates me to do it is because of my, interest my brain is just constantly ticking and wanting to try new stuff out and we're going to talk about some of those things on this episode but at first i wanted to just start off and say i've missed you and when i say that i really have missed you and there's a lot of you that have emailed me that tweet me kevin o i know you're out there listening uh there's there's i get emails people are checking on me in the um in the matrix chat and like hey is everything cool you know like are you good haven't heard you from, from you for a while and honestly 
Um, those things really do help, uh, you know, like unintelligent seven in our, in the matrix room, uh, just checked on me again yesterday, you know, and it checked on me again <laughs> back at the end of May and like, you know, everything good. Um, I, even though like this is kind of a one to many conversation where you're downloading and listening to this, maybe on the go or in the car or at home or whatever you're doing, working out. Um, I do feel like there's a connection and I am working to cultivate places where we can communicate and actually have ongoing conversations and help each other out. So um, I have, even though I haven't put out a podcast, I've been working hard, working diligently in the background on infrastructure stuff. What do I mean by that? Well, a new website, uh, new Cirque's search engine. I'm going to be setting up, probably setting up a Mastodon server. Um, that that's coming second or third. But I did also. I mean, we have a we have a Matrix channel room set up. So I decided to register a new domain name and set it up as closednetwork.io because I know there's a lot of people out there who kind of struggled. Wait, which which letters do I draw? Closed network. NTWRK, which, you know, and so that domain will still remain uh, and will point to the new website. I was, when I first set up the podcast, I went ahead and actually set up this, the website with PodPage, which is like a service where, you know, kind of just makes it easy where you could focus on the content that you're making, like the, the podcast episodes and not so much have to worry about the website and it had some really cool automation features. And it's not that I have a, anything wrong with um, the pod page service. It's actually fantastic. But one of the things that I didn't like about it was I didn't have a control over the back end as far as um, what scripts were running. So <clears throat> that kind of always bothered me from day one. It's like I've got a privacy podcast and my website, you know, it has Google Analytics running or other things that I don't necessarily would prefer not to be on there, but I don't have any control over that. So that's one of the reasons why I decided, you know, that I wanted to be in control of all things. So I set up, you know, a new WordPress site, closednetwork.io, spelt all together, just closed in E-T-W-O-R-K. I figure closednetwork.io kind of is a little bit easier to tell somebody rather than the closed in TWRK.com. So trying to make some branding adjustments there, <laughs> even though um, I kind of like it. My Twitter is still closed in TWRK and some other things will remain, but like the websites and stuff like that, I'm trying to set those up so they're a little bit easier to remember and tell people. So if you go to closednetwork.io, uh, on the homepage, there are some links. You know, One is to subscribe to the podcast. So whether you listen on... Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, you know, wherever. We're also a, a Podcast 2.0 compliant um, feed. So those that use like Fountain or Breeze or other Podcast 2.0 apps where you can actually stream SATs, the value for value model, uh, that that's there. But I, we're on also on like Amazon Music and Radio Public and all that stuff. So you're, whatever, whatever you like, Stitcher or whatever, um, you can find all of the feeds from the main website, closednetwork.io. You just click on subscribe and then it'll have a pop-up and you pick which one you want. Or you can also listen through the website. So maybe you don't want to even subscribe to the podcast. Totally cool. You know, I do have an RSS feed you can subscribe to as well. But if you just want to come to the website and listen with like no record of it ever happening, totally fine. I've got you. So you can just go to all episodes. The latest episode will be at the top on the homepage. You can just click the play button or you can just download the MP3 directly, whatever floats your boat. Trying to be uh, as, as easy <laughs> to consume as possible. Also on the homepage, below that, there are two other links. One says join us on, Ma on Matrix and that will actually open up a link in a new tab and load the Matrix you know, URL where you can connect. So Matrix... Uh, I, I, you know, you can, you can, uh, download your favorite app. I use Element just because it's cross-platform. It works on Linux, Windows, Mac, everything. Uh, my Graphene OS phone, I download it from the Google Play Store, the uh, app. Everything works great. So if you want to hang out, there's just a closed network podcast chat room on the Matrix uh, server. Uh, eventually maybe we'll set up our own Matrix server, but for now, we're just going to go ahead and just use the, the main uh, matrix.org uh, room that we have set up. But feel free to pop in there, ask questions, uh, help each other out. 
Also, I set up a new Cirx engine. Cirx, S-E-A-R-X. What is that, you ask? So Cirx is basically a search engine, kind of like if you've you've ever used StartPage or something like that. It's a search engine that's running on one of my servers, so you're free to use it, but I highly suggest setting up your own. And I will have guides on how to do that eventually. I'm going to get there. But in the meantime... I'm trying to set things up that people can actually just start looking at and using and and trying them out and see how it works. So Cirx, S-E-R-X, I'm actually running the NG, which is a a kind of a fork of it. It's basically a search engine where you can come and you can search for stuff. So, you know, I'm on there right now. I'm going to just type in Legos. Uh, Who doesn't like Legos? And you can just, you know, search like anything else. And it will basically, uh, it will pull search results based from Quant, DuckDuckGo, Brave, Google, and basically, I will proxy those searches through my server for you. You can do images, searches, videos, whatever you want. Um, and yes, you have to trust me that I'm not like logging it, which I'm not. But you know, ideally, you would run this yourself. But if you trust me enough, you're welcome to use it. The link will be right on the homepage, closed, for, you know, at closednetwork.io, and it just redirects you to the search.closednetwork.io. Uh, there's also a URL I set up, which is closedsearch.io. <laughs> I'll have all the links in the show notes. You don't have to memorize all these, but you can always get to everything from closednetwork.io. If you just remember that, you'll always be able to get to the things that I'm discussing, including show notes as well for the uh, episodes. So, uh, yeah, so it's been a lot. It was a lot of work to set this up. It's still a work in progress. Um, I will be writing more guides and putting them up on the website at the top of the list in the menu navigation. There's the episode list. There's guides. There's also a store. Of course, I don't have anything in there at the moment. Got some placeholders for some Pixel phones, which are, I will be selling. I've mentioned that in the past. I've sold them directly to people who have reached out to me. But I'm going to be setting up an e-commerce store. And in the beginning... I think I'm only going to set it up to pay for it with Bitcoin. Um, I may set up a Stripe account and connect to it where you could pay for your, with your credit card, but I kind of want to ease into that and just see how it goes. So I'm setting up a BTC pay server through Luna node and the store, which I'm running WooCommerce will be connected to that. So we can, I can generate the invoice for you. You can pay the invoice directly to me through the BTC pay server no one's the wiser. There's no middleman. We don't use any uh, KYC exchanges to process this transaction. So uh, I have sold probably about a half a dozen or eight phones uh, in the last year, kind of just onesie, twosie here and there, Pixel 3a XLs, Pixel 4s, and Pixel 5. So I'm thinking about doing more. Um, what am I even talking about? In previous episodes, I've talked about Graphene OS. I've also ran Calyx OS. I'm definitely a proponent of Graphene OS. That's what I'm running on my daily driver. My personal phone that I use every day is a Google Pixel 6 Pro running Graphene OS. I have multiple um, users set up on this phone and it is my everything phone. I do pretty much everything on it. Um, We'll get into that more later or on the next episode. Um, But anyways, I know that a lot of people like are intimidated to install custom ROMs on phones. So I want to be able to offer that service by, you know, acquiring phones and I'm trying to acquire them. I have a couple sources to get them used like in or refurbished, unlocked in good condition. So that way I can go ahead and just get them. I can run the updates. I can flash them, throw them back in the box and ship them out so that if you just want a phone, you don't want to like have to learn how to unlock the phone and install a new ROM. I will do that for you. But in order to do that, um, I do have to lay out quite a bit of money initial, initially. So it's anywhere usually from, you know, three to five hundred dollars per device, and so it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those risky things for me. So send me some feedback. Uh, whether you come to the website, use the contact form, pop into the Matrix uh, chat room, hit me on Twitter, uh, you, whatever, whatever works for you. If this is something you're interested in then let me know because based upon the feedback from that will kind of let me know how far, how much risk to take. So I don't just sit with a bunch of inventory sitting in my closet that isn't moving and all that, you know, is kind of, you know, wasted and then I have to sell them on eBay or something like that, which I don't want to do. So anyways, the store is set up though, and I'm working on that. So probably within the next couple of episodes, we'll have some more stuff up there. Um, And then of course there's a support tab which is basically links to support the podcast and the project 
these servers cost money and it takes a lot of time and, you know, equipment and whatever. So if you want to contribute, um, I, I definitely appreciate it because I'm only taking uh, support from people who listen to the show. You are the producers of the show. If you contribute donations, then you're supporting it. There's no sponsors. There's no advertisers. Um, I really don't even plan or want to use affiliate links because I feel dirty about it. But you can send me all the money you want if, on your own. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so you can like buy me a coffee. Uh, you can, which is basically like you know a button on the site. You can just kick over some some uh, fiat, or you can donate through Monero or Bitcoin. You can also share this with your friends if you're not in a position to donate. Totally cool. Feel free to share it with your friends and family. Uh, as well as also I've set up a Patreon and I feel kind of weird about that too, because typically with Patreon, you do kind of like exclusive things for those supporters. And I don't really want, ever want anyone to feel left out, but I'm going to try to find a balance in there where maybe things come out sooner for Patreon members. Um, I have three different initial plans right now, like five bucks for a privacy advocate, privacy supporters, $10 and privacy badass is 20 bucks a month. Uh, those may sh- shift or change down the road. I don't know. Um, so there might be some behind the scenes content. Um, I might do some Q and a or live streams with Q and a things like that, but I, I haven't flushed everything out yet. It's just getting everything set up so that we can kind of take this to the next level. Cause that's really what I want to do. Um, so on, on the topic of, of support, I just want to kind of throw a couple shout outs to, uh, turquoise panda, um, and at bond. You, you guys are awesome. Um, people, I don't know if you're a guy, girl or whatever. Uh, but, um, thank you for streaming so many sats through the podcast 2.0 app. Um, it tickles me when I see my Satoshi stream bot pop off on my telegram telling me like, I've got more sats streamed into my wallet. And I really do appreciate all of those, uh, donations. So thank you very much for that. Wow. That's a lot. 17 minutes. And I haven't talked about anything other than just like what's been going on and all the new stuff with the website and everything. So, so yeah, closednetwork.io is the new website. We've got the private search on there. Again, it's a search engine. You're welcome to use it all you want. You do have to trust me, but maybe I'm more trustworthy than Google. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Only you can make that call. Um, but I use it for my, my personal default browser now, or a search engine in my browser. So feel free to jump on that train if, if you want. And uh, I will also have a guide, like I said, on setting that up. Uh, we got the store coming. We've launched the Patreon. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much covers all the main stuff. So... A lot of big changes for me that I've had to implement. A lot of work that's gone into all of these different things. And now it'll just be incremental each week. I'll be adding stuff, writing tutorials for the guides and continuing to do the podcast. So um, I'm also going to try to get some other people on the podcast. Um, There's a few people I've had some email conversations with that have some YouTube channels kind of in the same space as if you listen to previous episodes, I've done some collaboration podcast episodes with the hated one. Love that guy. Uh, We don't see eye to eye on everything. And that's what makes it great. Don't have to agree with each other on everything, but we just have some very um, holistic common like core beliefs that bring us together. Uh, we might be all over the place on the, on the spectrum as, as far as politics or science or religion, and that doesn't matter. What this is about is our collective belief that we have the sovereignty to protect our 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 data, our our personal information, and not be used as uh, products, especially with corporations uh, for corporate surveillance to sell us new crap that we don't need to opt out of a lot of the stuff that just pulls you in. Uh, it, it's a lie. It's going to make you feel fulfilled. And all it does is make you feel like more empty, right? I feel like that's what social media does all the time. It makes people feel like FOMO into stuff and then there's infinite scroll and you're never really satisfied. But if you go out and have a conversation with a good friend or family member and have some drinks for dinner, it's like wildly satisfying. So, Focus on those in-person conversations and hang out more than the online stuff because it it's really helped me in the last couple of months, I have to say. 
And I think COVID kind of really uh, reset people in like the new norm and screw all that. Just, just live your life. Do what's, do what's good for you. Be healthy, eat well, exercise and protect your data. So what is new? So I've been testing out some, uh, some kind of like new workflows and some new apps for things specifically around mobile device. So there's a new company, well, or I don't know if they're new, but they just launched, this company launched uh, a new product. The company name is Invisiv, I-N-V-I-S-V. And they've launched this uh, service called uh, PGPP, which is uh, what is pretty good phone privacy. And at its core, um, I'm just going to kind of read this because it's right on their website, uh, pretty good phone privacy is a fundamentally new type of service that gives you private mobile connectivity. In traditional mobile networks, you can, or are, you are identifiable by your MZ, a permanent global unique identifier that is stored in your SIM card and sent to mobile towers when your phone is on. Because your MZ never changes and your phone connects to towers based on location uh, and signal strength, mobile networks can track who you are and where you are located at all times. Because of this, the MZ leaves uh, and uh, leaves a location history which has been used by mobile providers and numerous uh, others for virtu- virtually every person on the planet. Uh, MZs are also target, uh, targeted and captured by third-party attackers using devices known as MZ catchers. I've mentioned those before. Also known as like Stingray. And there's actually, a, I think it's even a documentary on Netflix maybe about that or maybe it was YouTube about Stingray and how they're using to track um, activity and presence. They're kind of, you'll, you'll definitely 100% guarantee expect those to be used at things like rallies or protests and things like that. And so what, what it is, it's basically an app that you install on your phone. It's only for Android. So sorry, Apple users. Um, so, and it did install fine on my Graphene OS phone using the Google Play Sandbox uh, application install. And it offers a service which is similar to the Apple does right now, uh, which is like a private relay. So that's kind of more of just a more integrated VPN. So it'll route all your traffic through uh, PGPP, and they use like Fastly for their content delivery network, I think, or their backend to um, offload all the traffic to. But what's really cool, you know, that's cool in itself. Okay, it's kind of like a VPN, and that service is like five bucks a month. Uh, but the mobile identifier, the MZ, being able to randomize or change it at will, that's cool. And I've been experimenting with that using the app for only like the last week uh, on their $40 core plan. They have an unlimited data plan for $90 a month. Uh, so that would be on top of, right, your, your normal cell phone service. Then you'd pay an additional fee for this particular uh, app. The private relay service is like $5 a month. And it's been working out quite well. So... I'm just going to kind of touch on MZs and IMEIs. The IMEI is a, is a serial number. Each phone ever made has an IMEI, which is a serial number that is literally baked into the phone. That's also the number that's used when a phone is lost or stolen that the networks basically put in and flag as, you know, uh, this is a stolen phone or it's lost so that no one else can activate the phone. But the MZ the IMSI number actually follows the subscriber information. So let's say someone else buys a mobile phone, let's say a Pixel 6, and then they sell it to you used on Phone Daddy or eBay or wherever wherever you're acquiring it. You know, maybe you spend 400 bucks, 450 for a new, a gently used Pixel 6, right? Well, it, depending upon how you, how you purchase that device, uh, you, you know, if you're paying cash or you're buying it used online, the original owner of the phone, the IMEI will probably be tied back to their identity if they bought it from, say, like directly from Google, like Google Play or something, or, you know, the Google Store online. And I'm just using a Pixel as an example because really that's how you can install Graphene OS on. So some random person out there buys a Google Pixel 6 and they decide they want a different phone, so they decide to sell it to you. Cool. All right, we're, we're starting off on the right foot. The IMEI is originally t- probably tied to them. But what isn't going to be tied to, you know, to them or to you if you purchase the device is the IMSI, the MZ number, because that's going to be attached to their SIM card. So you'll have an MZ number that's uh, uh, so, you know, attached to your SIM card 
whatever provider you use. I, I use Mint Mobile in the United States because, uh, well, it's inexpensive. It has a great network with uh, T-Mobile and Sprint. And you can sign up for service without using your real information. And you can use burner cards and that kind of thing. You get where I'm going with this, right? So, cool. Now you actually have an IMEI that's not tied to you originally. And now you have a SIM card that has an MZ subscriber identifier on there. Maybe not tied to your real identity. Cool. Well, now you can install this PGPP and pay, you know, at a minimum, it's going to cost you 40 bucks a month. But if you really kind of like nerd out on privacy, uh, this might be right up your alley because then you can say like, cool, maybe I am going to go to a protest, right? Right on. It's your, you know, it's your right. You should do that. Um, I would suggest before you leave the house, <laughs> go ahead and change the MZ ID on your phone using the app meaning it's going to broadcast a different MZ than what you originally signed up with. Then you go to the protest. Maybe you change it again when you, while you're there. And then maybe you change it again when you leave. And then maybe you change it again when you get home. You know, it's up to you, right? Why, why do that? Well, law enforcement has these Stingray devices, which they're like basically boxes. They're equipment, electronic equipment that can scan the crowd, they can scan a certain area. They even put these things on helicopters sometimes, or they can run it from above and kind of aim it. And I don't, I don't know the specifics on like how like wide of a radius that these things can actually uh, pick up the numbers from, but just think of it as like a, a casting a digital net over a certain area. And based on, you know, the MZs, they can correlate the MZ numbers to the subscriber info from the carriers and put lists together of who attended, who, how long you were there, where you maybe came from before that, maybe. Because if they get a subpoena or they have a way to you know, collect that information from the subscribers of where you came before that and where you went afterwards, uh, they can get all that information. So this app, though, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not pitching it. I'm not promoting it yet. I'm just trying it out. Uh, this app allows you to change that identifier multiple times, um, I think on the highest plan, the $90 a month plan, it lets you do it 30 times. So you could virtually change it. You could change it every day if you wanted to. Might be a little extreme, but depending upon your situation, if you're a journalist or you're a security researcher or I don't know, maybe you just have like a higher threat model than the average everyday person, this might be a good tool to have in your arsenal. So far, it's worked out really well. It does not, you do not pay for it through the Google Play Store. You actually use a, you just put in a credit card information. You don't even have to put in your name, just the billing zip, which is cool. For testing it out, I used a privacy.com burner card. Now, one might say, well, that's, you know, Simon, that's not very secure. I mean, they could subpoena privacy.com. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I, I wouldn't recommend doing that necessarily depending upon your threat model, but that's just what I did, right? Just to try it out. That way I could also control the spend on it. What I am working on is a, an experiment for using this along with a silent link mobile number, which you can get totally anonymously paying for with Bitcoin. And yes, we'll talk about anonymous and Bitcoin and privacy at some point in time. I do use Whirlpool. I use Samurai Wallet. I, I, you know, I'm all about the mixing. So for those that might be listening and know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. The rest of you, it's okay. But basically what I'm saying is, is like, I'm working on an experiment to have a truly anonymous phone where you can even spoof the MZ number and have as close to pure anonymity as possible. Um, why might one need this? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're trying to get out of a bad relationship and the person that you're in the relationship where works for a, a mobile carrier or maybe works for law enforcement and you need a way to communicate with somebody or other people without having any any ties that you have this device, or maybe you're in a, um, I don't know. I don't know what the scenario is, but there's a number of scenarios we could probably come up with. I want to figure it out. I want to know what's the best route to, to go. Uh, so that, that is actually an experiment I'll be working on over the next probably couple months. And I'll let you know how it goes. Um, but at the high level, my thought is purchase a used pixel with crypto or cash, register a silent link, uh, eSIM, paid for in Bitcoin, of course, running through after a, a mixer like Whirlpool. Uh, that's what I use. And then install um, Graphene OS on that Pixel. Don't even like, 
like really set anything else up other than just like you're using it as a phone, you're going to install the Google Sandbox in a separate user account or the main. It maybe doesn't really matter so much. You just need to be able to get the uh, PGPP app from Inziv and then set up that MZ randomizer. Um, if I'm talking and it sounds like way like, what are you, what is this guy talking about? Basically, I'm just trying to, you know, figure out if this is feasible. And if this is something that is, maybe it's, maybe it's something that we do together. Um, and I just want to try it out. So for the everyday person, probably a little extreme. For the hated one out there, if you're listening, probably right up your alley. <laughs> he is uh, definitely is, is uh, you know, secure. Try to be as anonymous as they come. Totally love that. So, yeah, that's been a project. Um, I actually recently uh, switched my mom over to a Pixel 6. She dumped her iPhone and went to a Pixel 6 running Graphene OS. Uh, she dumped her Apple Watch. She's using like a Garmin wearable. Uh, that's one of the things I, I like. I use Garmin wearables as well. I'm not promoting it. It's just uh, I like to work out. I like to run. So um, you know, she she's a big hiker and walker, so... There's a lot of things to work out. Um, I definitely will say that switching over to Graphene OS is a lot more fun and enjoyable if you have a backend setup. Uh, a backend, what I mean by that is a NextCloud server running either like on a Raspberry Pi in your home or one hosted somewhere that you can uh, basically synchronize your contacts to, your calendars automatic uploads of like your files and and photos automatically getting that kind of quasi Google cloud, iCloud experience, but something that's under your control. I definitely believe that having that piece makes switching to a de-Googled mobile phone a lot easier and actually more enjoyable. And I'm going to be kind of going through the setup process of how mine is set up in more detail because there's a lot of nuance in doing things like making sure your DAVX connector is installed and connected to your NextCloud instance. That is the uh, piece of software that basically keeps a persistent connection to your NextCloud. And like if you add a contact or you add a calendar uh, appointment or something like that, it will automatically update to your NextCloud and back and forth. Why do you need the NextCloud? Well, if you lose your phone or it breaks... And all your phone is all your all your data is stored on there. You're kind of screwed. Um, and unless you're the type of person who religiously gets up every day or before going to bed every night, plugs it into a laptop or a computer of some kind, and physically backs it up to another device, like at some point, you know, again, I, earlier I mentioned, you know, secu- you know, privacy and security versus convenience. Like you're going to just start doing what's more convenient for you, and that's not convenient, in my opinion. It's not, uh, not for, uh, you know. Not for doing every day. Uh, so having an xCloud server under my control uh, that I can have connectivity from my phone t- for all of those purposes makes life like kind of like, you know, great. Almost like using an iPhone or a Google regular Android device where you're relying on the, their, ser- their services for doing the same thing. And so she's been using it for about a week and a half. So I plan on having her on the podcast sometime in the next couple of weeks to talk about her experience and her transition from Apple to a de-Googled Pixel phone running graphene. Um, so anyways, <laughs> I feel like I'm just kind of rambling because I'm kind of all over the place. But uh, I'm really excited to try to be using this this PGPP software. It's working really well. I'm going to keep you posted it's definitely not an endorsement. It's just something I I think they just launched the software on like August 8th or the 6th. I mean, it's only I've been out a couple of weeks and I've been using it for the last five or six days, I think. And so far it's great. It's great. I haven't had any issues. It's cool. Um, uh, it does exactly what it says it's doing. At least I, at least I believe it does. I definitely know the private relay does because it changes my IP. So I'm able to, you know, verify uh, that traffic and, and that, that information, but that's, that's not super anything new. I mean, you could just do a V, you know, have a VPN client running on your phone to do that. But so that works, but the MZ uh, component, I believe is working. I guess maybe I need an MZ catcher myself to know. So I'm having some, uh, putting some faith into it, 
But I am hoping that at some point I can also get um, one of the developers on the on the podcast to kind of maybe explain a little bit more of this and how it works because I uh, I'm, I'm if I'm pretty excited about it as you can probably tell. So uh, so yeah, what's been going on in the world? I mean, we've had some you know the typical stuff. We've had some pretty major data breaches. Um, and you know, Twilio and, and for those that don't know, Twilio is like huge. A lot of people use that for hosting like their own, like phone networks, phone numbers and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I use my pseudo, uh, which is a, an app that allows you to have multiple pseudo, uh, profiles, you know, with like phone numbers and everything tied to it. So Twilio is something where you can kind of do it yourself using Twilio, and there's some other cool third-party tools that integrate with Twilio. So um, apparently they had some sort of data breach. Um, they said some of its customer data was access, accessed by attackers who breached internal systems. And this happened on August 4th. So this is in the last you know two weeks. Um, you know, they said they became aware of unauthorized access. Um, and it said, you know, it, it led to a limited number of Twilio you know, accounts, which I, I don't know what a limited number is. Are we talking like 50 or 500 or 5,000? I, I don't know. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that. More to come. Uh, you know, the reason why that's kind of important is a lot of people might have been using Twilio for pseudo anonymous phone numbers. So if those accounts were breached and attackers have ways to correlate those phone numbers to the real identity, uh, they could go after some sort of like, you know, identity hijack uh, or something like that. And the other thing, too, is, is Twitter had a hack, too, of five and a half million accounts. Uh, and they got, I mean, it's not so much like, oh, you should go change your password, which, yeah, you should do that for sure. But a lot of people have their phone number tied to the Twitter account. Like Twitter almost like forces you to to give them a mobile number and you can't use a voice over ip number they actually have a way of like checking so if you try to use like google voice or my pseudo or you know something they 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 won't let it go through and what happens is they harass you like every time you try to log in with your email and password it's like well we don't know if it's really you we'd like you to verify it with a mobile number and you're like you know just kind of get thrown into this purgatory so eventually you just give up and you give them a number well for people who are you know, journalists, reporters, whistleblowers, those kinds of things probably were using, you know, uh, pseudo accounts like identities on Twitter because, you know, you, you don't have to verify your identity to use the service, but they do require some kind of a phone number. Well, if they use their real phone number, you know, they, they could be at potential risk and being identified, doxxed, whatever, by uh, nation states that they don't, you know, want, you know, if they can get this information, they can tie those mobile numbers back to the carrier and see who owns them and they could be found. So these are things to keep in mind. Now, again, the everyday person, probably not a big deal. Maybe it sucks, but it may not be like life threatening, but it can be life threatening for other individuals out there. And so that's one of the reasons why I talk about this thing is because it, I say it's not a matter of if, it's just when. When there will be a breach, a, you know, an attack, an internal leak, or anything like that. And it's, it's just important to understand that. So every time you sign up for something, it doesn't matter if it's just like the local grocery store membership or it's a Twitter account um, or Code Academy because you want to learn how to code, whatever. Whatever the thing is that you're signing up for, to just tell yourself, hey, they, you know, Twitter can get hacked. Twilio can get hacked. All these companies, Facebook gets hacked. And these are massive corporations with tons and tons of money and lots and lots of resources. And they get hacked all the time. So it's, again, just kind of like think to yourself like, okay, so they'll probably get hacked. So I'm going to give them this information. So what information am I going to give them? And you want to give them information that's no good to know anybody if they come across it whether it's a fake name, it's a, a pseudo number, a pseudo email account, because all you're really trying to do is just have a way to recover a password if you forget it or log into a platform or have some kind of rewards program or something like that. There's no other benefit to you otherwise. Matter of fact, they're going to benefit from your purchase data or whatever it is, whether it's you know their email marketing list that you're, they're going to sign you up for or whatever. So you're always the end product to them to sell you more crap. So you just have to you know, go like, okay, I'm going to give them crap because I just want to use the service 
and I don't want to be, you know, at risk two months, two years, five years down the road because something happened that was out of your control. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's why I harp on this all the time. Password managers, email aliases like simple login or my pseudo or pick your favorite thing. Um, as long as you get in the habit of doing it, is it a little bit more of a pain in the butt? Yes, it is. But if you have all of your stuff, all your logins saved in your uh, KeyPass, you know, database or your Bitwarden database, your Vault, um, then you don't have to, you know, you don't have to remember anything. You just remember that one password, and then from there, all of your user accounts are accessible. It's a little more effort, a little more work, just like using two-factor authentication. Uh, I've talked about that in a previous episode. I think it was 13 or 12, talking about 2FA. Um, you know, I know it's a pain, but the more you, the more of this that you implement into your life, the harder it's going to be for someone to try to come and, and access your information or use your credit or anything like that because you're gonna, it's going to be too much work. They're going to move on to an easier target. So again, it's not that you, you know your information will never be out there. It's just that the harder it is you make it, the more steps you put in the way, the less likely it is that you'll be actually a victim of identity you know, uh, fraud or something of that nature. And that's what it's all about. Be the smallest target. So anyways, uh, some other interesting things in the news that just kind of happened in the last few days is the U.S. Treasury bans Tornado Cash Mixer for a role in a crypto money laundering scheme, which is total you know, BS, and um, actually have gone after the developers. And this is open source software. Okay, so this is an interesting uh, story to follow. So what is Tornado Cash, right? Tornado Cash is open source software that people use to mix their Bitcoin, you know, their big mixer Bitcoin, or I think, uh, you know, also Ethereum. I, I never actually used Tornado Cash, but it's basically an open source project that allows you to um, mix your coins with other. Yeah, they did actually. A developer in, in Amsterdam did get arrested four days ago, according to The Verge. Um, this is a 29 year old man arrested in Amsterdam for his suspected involvement in, de- in the development of Tornado Cash, a crypto mixer service. That was banned earlier this month by the U.S. Department of Treasury for its role in laundering, air quotes, money from a large-scale hacking operations, which is, okay, this is very incendiary um, terminology in my opinion. It doesn't mean that people out there in the world don't use crypto mixers um, for nefarious reasons, but by and large, most people are actually just mixing their coins to break the chain of custody so they can protect their privacy, right? So if you buy Bitcoin from Coinbase, right, and you transfer that into your Electrum wallet, uh, your Exodus wallet, software wallet, you know, or a Ledger or a Trezor, that, that Bitcoin has a history and it can be followed with on-chain analysis of where it originated from where it is currently and everywhere in between. So a lot of people like to break that chain to obfuscate their identity associated to the original purchase, the KYC, the know your customer individual who had a verified identity with that exchange at the time of purchase. So what tornado cash does is is a mixer. So imagine like you and five friends and you're in a room you each bring $100 and $1 bills. And those $100, $1 bills are initially earmarked to you. Like the government, the bank, everyone knows that those are your bills because of the serial number, right? So you go into a room, and it's really going to be more than five people. Let's say 500 people, <laughs> maybe 5,000 people you go into a room with. And everyone takes their $100 single dollar bills, throws them up in the air, turns a fan on, and they blow all over the place. They just mix and mix and mix and mix. And then at the end of it, when it's time to take your money, you just pick up the first 100 single-dollar bills on the floor, uh, and you leave, right? So the chances that, you know, 
anyone can really start to anyone who's doing any chain analysis trying to follow a single dollar bill um, it's gonna have a really bad day trying to figure out where those go and especially if those people go and mix again and they go and mix again the concept here is to uh you know maintain sovereignty privacy bitcoin is inherently not private by design now i'm not talking about uh layer two you know i'm not talking about lightning i'm talking about just just bitcoin core and uh by its very nature it's transparent and the whole concept is is that with transparency uh you have a trustless honest system where you don't have to trust each other you just trust the network you trust the node operators the miners and the algorithm and it's you know it, the 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 rules that are applied to bitcoin as far as the having the deflationary uh, concept that's built into it. Now, whether you agree with you know me philosophically, whatever, that's fine. But I'm just kind of telling you, it's a very open system. Well, that can kind of work against people because there's a lot of companies who are developing on-chain analysis tools to help governments uh, basically surveil what's happening on the blockchain and tie back the transactions to specific individuals so a service like tornado cash is basically a mixing service do some criminals use it i'm sure they do i i I would if i was a criminal i would absolutely do that um do criminals also use cash do criminals also use banks to launder money 100 percent, yes i mean banks are responsible for laundering pretty much like 99.98 percent of all money on the planet uh, if you don't believe me, just start Googling or, or use my closed search.io, uh, you know, HSBC, right? I mean, just look at it. I mean, you know, for drug cartels, for, um, for governments, it's, it's, total, it's, a, it's a load of crap. So we're the little people fighting this big behemoth. And the reason why this tornado cash story is important is because it could set a precedent. I myself run a dojo server. Uh, a dojo server is a server that basically allows me to connect a samurai wallet to and start mixing coins, right? It's all done on the Tor network. It's all, you know, and the reason I do that is because I want to break the chain of coins that are sent to me or coins that have been purchased. So when I, and it's not just, if, any, if you're like, well, I don't know, I, I think people should, you know. The other thing about this too is if you send me Bitcoin, Right. And you haven't mixed it or you haven't sent it to a different wallet. You're not kind of compartmentalizing it. I could just look at your balance from your wallet address. If you have all your all your Bitcoin in one wallet and you just sent it to me or you bought something from me, it's not, you know, how much money and you have in your bank accounts generally kind of a private thing. It's not something you like to advertise to people. It doesn't typically come up in conversation like, hey, Jim, how much money do you have in your bank account? Oh, well, let me tell you, Larry. No, that doesn't happen. Like, people are pretty private about their finances and how much money they have. So, you know, if you want to protect, you know, that about yourself, especially if you're interacting with people online, you would want to probably use some of these mixing services. Now, maybe you don't mix it all. Maybe you mix some and you put it into a moon wallet or blue wallet or, you know, whatever. And that's kind of your money that you use to buy things online and things like that. So that's why this is all important to understand why you might do this. It doesn't mean you're a criminal. It doesn't mean you're involved in any illicit activities. It just means you're protecting yourself and you're also trying to shield your Uh, publicly transparent addresses from your total balance, your total stack. And so I'm kind of curious about this because this is an open source project. So what does that mean? If this, if this goes to trial and there's a case that, you know, a convicted, a conviction on this case, could that mean other developers who are just writing code, they're not actually involved in anything. They're just writing code open source code that's hosted on a public uh, repository that was also deleted. They deleted, I think it's on GitHub. They deleted the GitHub repositories. It's like, this is setting a very scary precedent. What's to say next that they say you can't use encrypt into an encrypted software apps like session or matrix or uh, briar or signal only because 
if you're using into an encrypted communications, you must have something to hide. Therefore, you must be a criminal. So therefore, we're going to delete the repositories and we're going to go after the developers for writing such code. I mean, that's essentially kind of the, what we're talking about. Super dystopian. Now you see why, excuse me. Now you see why I needed to take a break, right? Um, kind of joke. I mean, the break was for a lot of reasons. But this stuff uh, scares, the, scares the crap out of me. I was going to say the S word, but I try to keep this podcast not explicit in case you have young ears in the vehicle or around. Uh, but yeah, this scares the piss out of me a little bit, and I am not happy about it. So um, this is a story I'll be following. We'll be talking about ongoing on the podcast because it matters. Uh, it, it, it really matters. And it took long enough. I was actually waiting for the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, to like step up and say something. And they finally did, I think, today or yesterday. Because um, I was kind of wondering, like, are you guys sellouts or what, what's going on here? So... I'm not going to pass any judgment on them at this point in time or anything. I have other reasons for, for, for that. But um, by and large, I generally am like pro EFF. They at least do, you know, watchdog and a lot of legislation that's, um, uh, you know, proposed. And if passed, would definitely infringe on our free speech and our privacy and our sovereignty. So I need to take a sip here of my, uh, what am I drinking? This is a Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer Black Cherry. I talk a lot. I talk a lot and I talk fast because I got a lot of information to get out to you and I don't want to have to, to, have to sit there for two hours listening to me. So I try to keep this uh, somewhat reasonable. So bear with me. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what's up with Tornado Cash. I'm, I'm a little uh, perturbed. And it's also interesting reading a lot of the comments on Twitter. People are like, well, people only use it for criminal activity. I mean, I guess... You know, they shouldn't be allowed to use it. It's like, okay, then you know what? You're, you're, we should also not use cash, and banks also should be all shut down for money laundering, if that's the case. That's how I feel about it. But, you know, I'm also a little out there. So uh, take it all with a grain of salt. Um, anyway, I have some other things that I would like to get to, which I think I'm going to save for next week's episode. Um, I really just kind of wanted to touch base, check in, give you an update on what's going on with uh, the show, the the website, and everything. Uh, a little little updates on the on the PGPP that I'm trying out. This pretty good phone privacy, and some of the stuff that's going on that I'm paying attention to. Uh, I'm also equally going to be focused on working on guides that are going to be on the website to help you uh, set things up. So if I can ever get some Raspberry Pis in stock, I also be plan to sell those pre-configured, which they're not hard to set up, by the way. If you have a little bit of you know, know-how and you know, the desire, uh, really a lot of the stuff that I talk about on the show um, are really easy to set up and have web interfaces, and they're getting easier and easier to set up. But there's a lot of people I understand that really care about their digital footprint, their privacy, and just don't have the technical know-how, and in which case I want to make some stuff available, whether it's a Raspberry Pi running a Bitcoin node or a NextCloud server um, you know, on a Raspberry Pi uh, or a Graphene OS mobile device um, and maybe some other stuff. I've been told I should uh, do some privacy-focused merch, and I have some friends and uh, another friend who could do some illustrations. So I was thinking about doing that, like some t-shirts or hoodies and some other stuff. So, uh, you know, it, it's all basically to, to help promote privacy for all and to get people excited about it. I like wearing cryptocurrency t-shirts. I like wearing anti-establishment <laughs> <laughs> apparel if you will uh not to be like a jerk but just to you know it, it's like to kind of like take a stand somewhere and i feel like in this day and age where everyone's trying to feel special and be unique well why not you know stand up for something that we can all actually collectively maybe uh find some commonalities with and uh, for me i think that you know when it kind of opens the door for conversations um, so if you're wearing a phone that says like, you know, de, you know, de Google your life or I don't know, whatever, I'm just kind of come up with some ideas. It's kind of like, well, it kind of invokes an interest. Like, well, what do you, what does that mean? De Google or de Apple or, or this or that and the other. And it can kind of lead to, uh, making connections on some common, you know, shared beliefs or values. And for me, I think that's really cool because it seems like lately there's so much dissension and, 
this, this, you know, are you this or that red or blue? Are you on this team or that team? You know, pronoun or no pronoun COVID, you know, vaccine, no COVID vaccine. It's like this or that there's no in between. And I, I, I'm personally, it's, I, I just don't subscribe to that. I think that it's life is much more complex uh, than just this or that Microsoft or Mac or, you know, you know, uh, whatever. Um, it, it's, it's it's much more red or blue, Republican, Democrat, you know, whatever. Uh, for me, things are much more gray and fluid, and there should be a lot more compassion between people and understanding and trying to understand where people are coming from and try to help one another. And that's that's my goal. That's my objective is try to help people uh, regardless of where you're coming from or why. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. But if you're here and you're listening and you're engaged, uh, then that means there's something that we connect on, and that's that's what's important to me. So. Um, anyways, having said all that, um, I would definitely love to hear any feedback regarding like the merch, uh, if that's something you'd be interested in as well as the website, things you'd like to see. Uh, I can start prioritizing articles and guides based upon feedback. So if that's something that you have an idea on, uh, shoot me a message. If you don't want to get on matrix or if any of that seems crazy, just go to close network.io, hit the contact page. There's a submit form right there. You can put in any name, any email address. I don't care. All that's important is the message. Um, I do have a mailing list actually that I'm working on and a lot of people subscribed through the pod page. So I've exported that content or the, the, uh, uh, contacts out and I've put them into um, a different newsletter account through MailChimp, which I will probably change because I want to find something that's more privacy respecting. Uh, just like I don't want to run Google Analytics or anything like that on the website, I'm probably going to use Plausible or something similar so I can still see metric data on the website without you uh, having a tracker in your browser just because you went to the website. I don't want any of that to happen. So I'm trying to be very uh, thoughtful about what tools I use, but I do want to have uh, an email newsletter that's going out on an ongoing basis. So I may just stick with MailChimp for the time being. And I, for one, would be tickled if I saw that mailing list filled with nothing but like simple login alias email addresses or something, or my pseudo email addresses or something. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, or Proton Mail accounts and you know Proton Mail aliases and stuff like that. So uh, or Tutanota or whatever. So. Um, basically if you go to the website, feel free to, to register for the newsletter. Uh, we'll never, you know, give the information. I say we, it's, it's me, but I'll never give out the information or anything. I just may change. I may move to something else that's more privacy respecting out of MailChimp, but I think I'm just going to use that because I have only so much time and I'm trying to pull this stuff together. You can also just go to the contact page, shoot me an email. I'm also going to have the ability for people to leave a voice message, like a question on the website. They can ask a question using your phone or whatever on the website. Uh, and I will play that in the podcast. I think it'd be kind of cool. I think it's a cool way to get people's voices out there um, into the show and make us feel like it's just not me talking to a bunch of people, but it's a bunch of people talking to each other. And yes. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to wrap this up. Um, Closenetwork.io, uh, hit me up on Twitter, join the Matrix channel. If you feel compelled, uh, definitely appreciate any support, uh, donations, whether it's ongoing or one time. I know there's been a big gap, but I am committed to continuing doing the show on an ongoing basis and eventually maybe even incorporate it as like a part-time job that actually supports me at some point down the road. That would be, I would be like over the moon to do that. I would love nothing else to do like one or two podcasts a week. Uh, and just dive down and be able to do that. So that that eventually is my goal, and it's maybe maybe a pipe dream, maybe not. I don't know, but we're gonna we're gonna go for it. So feel free to reach out and support. And if you can't financially contribute, um, maybe you can just share it with friends and family that might might have interest. Uh, if you go to closenetwork.io, you can see all the different podcast episodes. There might be a specific one that stands out that would be worth worthy to share, and also. Um, giving any reviews. So if you listen through Apple Podcasts, leaving a review for that would be super appreciated or Google Podcasts or you know uh, Spotify. Um, or maybe you're straight gangster and you're listening through like AntennaPod or Fountain or Breeze, and in which case, 
There's not really a way to leave a review, but you can just come to the website and tell me that I'm awesome or I suck, but awesome, awesome first. But I definitely open to critiques uh, as well. <laughs> so, wow, uh, that's that's it. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up and uh, get this kicked out as episode 16. I thought about doing season two and all that crap. Screw that. Now there is no seasons. We're just we're just rolling forward, and I I really appreciate your patience and your people who are checking on me and checking in on me. And I, I just, it, it really, it really makes me feel, it really pushed me and motivates me to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, because it, it is a, a little, a lot of work. And also, like I mentioned before, it can be kind of like dark sometimes when you're just going down and reading all this really, unfortunately, just sad stuff um, about what's happening in our society. And, but at the same time, I also want to try to like, you know, share what information I have uh, that might be able to help those out there who are who are going through the same thing, and maybe uh, you know turn around and also help out other people that you know. So um, I'm not going to you know get preachy and tell you to delete all your social media, although you should. But um, maybe be more selective about what information you're at least giving out, and what if you're installing apps on your phone, just use your browser. You know those types of things that really start reducing your attack surface. Uh, from corporations, you know, surveilling you um, and possibly, you know, three-letter agencies surveilling you. So all that to say is I've missed you. I'm glad to be getting another episode out and I really look forward to getting more out and bringing people on the show and interacting with you all, interacting with you all. So I swear I've only had two beers tonight. I uh, hope you all have a great week. I hope you're doing well in your life and in your health. And I will catch you on episode 17 on the next one. So take care, everybody. You ain't got no soul, you lacking the spirit. You talk out your neck, I'ma show you I'm with it. I've been really happy you to sit and watch me win again and win again and win again. I know it's probably getting on me and when I'm sending them. So if I ever win again, it's nobody the minimum. I didn't have to send my soul.